Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode as we learn, grow, and flourish together as a community of women. Hello, this is Penny. Thanks for joining us for the Flourish Podcast today. The last couple weeks, I've been sharing about America's heritage, which I've made fairly clear is a topic that I really love and that is dear to my heart. I've always loved God's overarching hand on our nation's formation and just how deeply involved he was and how much you see that throughout our history. And so I'm going to pick up today, I mean, I just gave you an just a small fraction of the hundreds and thousands of quotes and things that we find all scattered throughout our nation and our capital that very clearly demonstrate that we were formed as a nation that was dependent on God and that was dependent on His Word and that looked to His Word as guiding principles for how we would conduct ourselves. So I want to pick up today in an area where we start to see a decline and more more very clear delineation and a decline in that understanding and those belief systems. And in 1947, there was a ruling where it took eight words out of a letter from Thomas Jefferson that said, a wall of separation between church and state. And those were taken out of context, and it it was ruled that this is what the founders wanted. They wanted to separate the church and the state, and that this was their great intent. And we do know that they did not want an established church or an established uh, religion that everyone had to adhere to, that they wanted freedom of religion. That was very clear. But that did not mean that they wanted Christianity or God or Jesus cut off from the public square or from public influence or from political or governmental influence. On the opposite understanding, it was very clear that they wanted God's involvement. We talked about that the last two podcasts and uh, went over quite a few quotes from our founders that pleaded for God to be involved and that made it clear that their faith and that their hope was in God and in the Bible. Then we see on June 25th, 1962, in a case called Engel versus Vitale, school prayer was struck down. And the prayer that was prayed in our schools went like this, Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg thy blessing upon us, the students, our parents, our teachers, and our country. I mean, it was a pretty simple prayer, but we see very sadly that when that was ruled illegal and no longer permissible in our schools, we see very quickly the dramatic change that begins to happen. This was the first time a court ruled for separating Christian principles from education. The case redefined church in the separation of church and state to mean any 
religious activity in public. So we went from a very prominent involvement of the Bible, of prayer, of um, Christians in the public arena and in our schools to now saying any religious activity in public and in schools was unconstitutional. That was a pretty radical change. And obviously, it was as if we were saying, God, get out of here. We don't, we don't want you involved anymore. We don't need you. And that's not a wise thing to do. In 1892, in the cases that I cited, 87 precedents were given to establish that the U.S. was a Christian nation, that we were based on Christian principles and based on biblical principles. In 1962, zero precedents were given to say we are no longer going to allow prayer or God in the public arena and in our schools. Two more cases in 1963 removed Bible reading and religious instruction from public schools. During this time, the understanding in the public arena was that 97% of people believed in God and the Bible and 3% did not. Hmm. However, that 3% prevailed and we seemingly sat silent while they took away what all of our history deemed vital, foundational, and of utmost importance, the clear dependence on God and his word and his ways and his help. That, to me, is incredibly sad and exasperating. Here's a quote from the ACLU during that uh, time period. The mindless notion that serious social problems can be solved by prayer in schoolrooms instead of by thoughtful analysis and sufficient resources appeals to no one but the radical religious right. If portions of the New Testament were read without explanation, they could be and had been psychological harmful to the child. Wow. So we see a radical shift and change in the public thinking and in our schools. The first grade English primer from 1690 taught children the alphabet by using a Bible verse that began with each letter. A would be a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. B, better is a little with fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. C, come unto Christ, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. F, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. I mean, think about it. It was just an understood thing for years and years and years that we believed the Bible, that God was the foundation of who we were as a people. It's really deeply concerning and, again, very, very disheartening. In 1982, Stove versus Graham ruled in regard to the Ten Commandments being displayed in public schools. And it says, if 
the copy of the Ten Commandments are to have any effect at all, it will be to induce the school children to read, meditate upon, perhaps to venerate, and obey the commandments, which is not a permissible objective. Wow. Heaven forbid. Meditate on not stealing, killing, lying. It's like all reasons seem to escape us and common sense just went out the window. And I don't know what led up to this, you know, the whole removal of prayer and um, Bible reading in schools, but it certainly had a major, major impact. And now we see where we are right now, years later, based on that, approximately 60 years later, based on those decisions. Here's a quote from America's Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Public buildings belong to everyone. Public buildings should display the Bill of Rights, not the Ten Commandments. The recent court decisions reaffirm the important principle that the state may not promote religion. Politicians like former Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore will find it legally impossible to put up divisive commandments displays in public buildings. Wow. Promoting religious codes and symbols is a job for our churches, synagogues, temples, and mosques. Hmm. Obviously, they were unaware of the fact that the Ten Commandments, along with Moses, appear in stone on the side of the Supreme Court building. Behind the Chief Justice chair is another representation of a man holding a tablet with Ten Commandments. 1 through 10. The numbers 1 through 10 representing the Ten Commandments. Tablets representing the Ten Commandments are carved in the oak courtroom doors. In God We Trust is inscribed above the door to the Senate and behind the Speaker of the House's chair. Wow. Religious symbols appear so often in D.C. that it takes Christian heritage tours three days to show visitors all the biblical references on the buildings ranging from the Library of Congress to the Capitol itself. It's, again, as if people have lost all reason. This whole idea that this case, even with Roy Moore, that promoting religious codes and symbols is a job for our churches and that public buildings should be exempt from that. Obviously, they have no understanding of history, no understanding of what we have done all of the years of our existence. On August 23rd, 1984, Ronald Reagan spoke in Dallas and he said this, in 1962, the Supreme Court in the New York prayer case banned the saying of prayers. In 1963, the court banned the reading of the Bible in our public schools. From that point on, the courts pushed the meaning of the ruling further outward so that now our children are not allowed voluntary prayer. In the 1962 decision opened the way to a flood of similar suits. Once religion had been made vulnerable, a series of assaults were made in one court after another on one issue after another. Without God, there is no virtue, because there is no prompting of the conscience. Without God, there is a coarsening of society. Without God, 
democracy will not and cannot long endure if we ever forget that we are one nation under God then we will be a nation gone under. Wow, it's one of the reasons I love Ronald Reagan. In George Washington's farewell address to the nation, he said, let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of the refined education of minds, reason, and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in the exclusion of religious principle. John Adams said, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Self-government through Christianity was key to our constitutional republic. In relatively recent history, we have let go of our heritage, of our inheritance. Something was entrusted to us, a heritage that is unique. It's full of vision, it's full of purpose, It's full of God's heart and passion for people to help them, to teach them about who he is. Remember, the heritage of the past is the seed that brings forth the harvest of the future. We have always had and still have a rendezvous with destiny. Will we fight for it? Will we remember our heritage or will we just... Take on the party line that, wait a minute, you Christians just need to back down, be quiet, stay in your churches, stay in your places of worship, don't bother us, you have no place in the public arena. Or will we pray for God to shine his mercy and redemption over us yet again and to see his mercy over our land and a restoration of the principles that allowed us to become that city on a hill, a light to others. Yes, we've always had our frailties. Yes, we've always had our weaknesses and our failures. But overarchingly, we were a nation, like the Statue of Liberty said, that was to be a refuge, that was to be a light, that was to represent the character and heart of God. We need to know where we've come from. We need to know the heritage of our past so that we can pray that God would again raise us to that place where we can very clearly, without question, without apology, say that we are a Christian nation that believes God's word. So thanks for joining me for these podcasts about our nation's heritage that, again, very precious to me. And We just need to continue to pray and humble ourselves before God, asking for His help, His intervention, His mercy. So, thank you again. Love you all. Thanks for listening to the Flourish Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. For more information about Flourish, our annual conference, or to join our community of women, visit nrpflourish.com. See you next time.